Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Hey guys, I'm Romeo. Uh, I'm AV guy. Uh, hey brothers, hey sisters. It's good to see you. I don't know so many of you these days. Um, but hey, I love you. It's, uh, it's an awesome privilege to get to uh, preach to you this morning. Uh, Pastor Brandon is uh, in the Spanish ministry. So nuestro pastor no está aquí. He's <laughs> not here. Uh, I think pastor is like pork or something. <laughs> I don't think that's the word. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's not here. Um, so I got asked to fill in. Um, and um, that's just, uh, just awesome uh, because I love you guys and uh, I really do feel that um, I have something to share with you that I, I think I probably need more than anyone else. Um, and I, I mean that sincerely. Um, I feel like uh, you can feel like such a, I don't, I don't want to say hypocrite um, when you share God's word with people because sometimes you just come to a text and you feel like if no one else needed to hear it, you know, I needed that. Um, and uh, after a conference like Mission Focus, after a message like this morning from Pastor Sam, if you were in main service, and singing a song like that uh, of just surrendering your life to the Lord, uh, you just know something's coming. <laughs> and you know, saying yes to the Lord means he's going to bring you to a crossroads, means he's going to call you to more, means you're going to have to take that next step. And in this passage in Joshua chapter 1, if you want to start flipping there, I love that sound, if you want to start flipping to Joshua 1, um, we find someone who is at that crossroads, who is getting ready to take that next step, whom God is calling to more. Um, and as we read the passage, that's, that's what I want you to, to really be thinking about uh, and, and really prayerfully considering in Joshua chapter 1. Let's, let's read it really quick. So in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, and Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So this morning what I want to talk to you about. 
is being strong and courageous. Something that jumps out of this passage is that repeated phrase in verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. And in verse 9, he says, have not I commanded thee? Do I really have to say it again? Be strong and of a good courage. And when we're studying the Bible, repetition is something that demands our attention as students. It's God's microphone. It makes it really easy to identify the theme when you're doing discovery Bible method and your Bible study leader asks, what's the theme? Find whatever word or phrase is repeated and you're good to go. That's probably, that's your cheat code for DBM. Just pro tip. Um, Furthermore, as we study that word courage in the Bible, you'll find that it occurs in this chapter more than any other chapter in your Bible. As you study this word courage, you'll find it occurs in this book more than any other book in your Bible. You'll find that this word courage occurs more in the life of this man, Joshua, than in the life of any other person in your Bible. Its first mention is in reference to Joshua as he goes to spy out the land in Numbers 13. And the next three mentions are Moses encouraging Joshua to go and conquer the land in Deuteronomy 31, a parallel passage to this one. And that brings us to Joshua 1, where the Lord is taking Joshua aside to say to him, be strong and of a good courage. Now, the context of our passage is really important when we talk about strength and courage and why we need this. Uh, This book, Joshua, is a historical account of Joshua leading the nation of Israel to conquer and inherit the land that God had promised to them. God is exhorting Joshua to be strong and courageous in the face of this critical, daunting task. And can you imagine... I mean, what a moment in the grand scheme of Scripture. We just closed the book on the entire first five books of the Bible. Moses had led the nation of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness and here right to this river Jordan. And now Joshua has to step it up and be the leader. I mean, what what shoes to fill? I mean, Moses was the guy who walked into Egypt, faced down the Pharaoh, turned rivers to blood, called hail down from heaven. He was the guy who Israel saw bread rain from the skies. He led them into battle. He was their leader. He was there when God gave them the law. I mean, Moses was him. Moses was him. And now Joshua's like, I got to follow that up. I mean, I feel like we went Brian Clark, Jay Shug, and now you're stuck with me. <laughs> I'm like, Brian Clark's over here, and I'm like, I have to preach to Brian Clark. I listen to you on like podcasts every, uh, like every week, man. I'm like, what am I doing here? And you can think about all the doubts and all the fears that Joshua might have had, the, the war he knows that's waiting for him right on the other side of the river. And here's our key consideration for today. Every next big step in life is a challenge to be strong and courageous by trusting God in obedience to his word. That's all that every next big step is going to be. That's where Joshua found himself ready to take that step over the river Jordan into the promised land, leading God's people. And I think that's where God finds a lot of us today, and especially in this ministry. Kaya is just one big ministry of next steps, you know. We're young people. Um, you take your next big step right out of the high school ministry in this church and into Kaya. And now you're in, in the room with all the big kids. And they dress like hipsters and they're super cool. And uh, they've all got it figured out. And, and you're taking that next big step. And you're not sure if you're going to fit in. You take the next step from singleness to, to dating and, and marriage. And that's a big one. That is daunting. That's scarier than anything, man. And then from marriage to parenting. <laughs> I mean... What in the world? That's like, these are some of the biggest transitions you'll face in your entire life. 
And the nature of ministry and, you know, being here at Midtown Baptist Temple, you can't get away with sitting in a service and hearing God's word without hearing all that God is calling you to. Maybe some of you are considering taking that step from being a Christian, being saved, to really being a disciple, counting that cost of what it means to take that next step and uh, going to cost of discipleship in February. And some of you are taking that step from being a disciple to making disciples, God's calling some of us this year to lead Bible studies, to lead whole ministries. God's calling some of us to plant churches. God's calling some of us to go halfway across the world into hostile ground, to face the enemy head on. And it's going to take a lot of strength and it's going to take a lot of courage to do and to be all that God has called us to. And this morning, it's my prayer that God would use his word in this passage, to give us the strength and courage we need to take that next big step, whatever it may be for you. So let's pray. Um, Father, uh, God, I'm just so thankful for your word. I'm thankful that in your providence, you give us exactly what we need when we need it. Um, And God, um, I just want to hide behind your word. I just want to trust that your Holy Spirit will convict and encourage and do whatever work it needs to do today. Um, God, just please set me aside. Please help me. Um, with my stumbling, with my fear, um, with me just snotting up and crying all over this pulpit. Um, God, I just want to be a vessel for your word to get to your people. Um, and uh, so, God, I just pray that you would help us to hear um, and, and help us to have the courage to, to be what you're calling us to be and to do all that you're calling us to do. Um, Lord, we need you desperately. Uh, and so I just trust you um, and your spirit and your word for the strength to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think in this passage, we get four big keys to our courage, four big keys to to have the strength and courage we need to answer the call. And the first key is God's preparatory process. Uh, Today's message is brought to you by the letter of the day. The letter of the day is P, Uh, God's preparatory process. Verse one says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses minister saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So Moses was God's appointed servant to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and through the wilderness, but that appointed time of service had come to a close, and God's man had just passed away in the previous chapter. In his stead, he leaves behind Joshua, and Joshua was just Moses' minister, um, the first time you see him show up, that's, that's what he is. He's just Moses' minister. And that's just another word for servant. He was Moses' right-hand man. And now he was being called to take up the mantle. His next big step to lead God's people, cross the river Jordan, conquer the land, and claim the inheritance. And that's our first big key we're going to find to have our courage is to trust God's preparatory process. Joshua was ready for this moment because he had shadowed Moses all these 40 years through the wilderness as his minister. And if you look at the PowerPoint, go ahead and hit the next slide. Uh, Take a picture of this or the slides are uh, on the website if you need them. Um, We don't have time to go over every example. But because Joshua was faithful to serve and submit to Moses, he was perfectly ready for this calling. Um, Because Moses discipled Joshua. Every time you see Joshua show up in scripture up to this point, Moses is leading him. Moses is encouraging him. Moses is mentoring him. Moses is teaching him. Moses is bringing him near to the Lord. Moses is sending him out. Moses is validating his call. Moses is making Joshua into the man of God he would need to be to lead God's people. And that is how God 
prepared Joshua, and that's how he prepares us today, through discipleship, through the training that comes with ministry. You see, and if you'll flip to the next one, um, a key thought here is that God prepares us for his will and plan for our lives in this dispensation through the local church. And just like Joshua had the mentorship of Moses, God gives us biblically qualified leaders to facilitate our spiritual growth. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, and he gave some, that's us, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, right? We have this gift of leaders in the body of Christ. For what? For the perfecting of the saints, to mature us, to to make us more complete, for the work of the ministry, to put us to work, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we'll be built up. God has given us biblical leaders to facilitate our spiritual growth. Um, And that's what Joshua was given by the Lord. He was given Moses, and that's what God gives to us, is he gives us uh, a Moses. He gives us people. Um, Man, I just think about um, um, my life would be such a train wreck without Alex Allen in it. Um, Some of you guys know uh, Alex was hanging out at our house last night and uh, just going crazy, just having a good time. Uh, He was there with Genevieve and and, and Gwen and everything and and Amanda, and and we're just, we were just having an awesome time, and I'm thinking as I'm looking at this passage, um, I don't think I'd, um, I don't think I'd be who I am. Um, I don't think I'd be married or have kids or be doing any of this, these wonderful things that God has allowed me to do if, if little 17-year-old me doesn't have Alex. I was just, I just wasn't ready <laughs> for life. Uh, my life was kind of a mess. My family was sort of broken, and I was just lost in my sin. And uh, I got saved down the street at the high school ministry here. And uh, as I'm walking over from the high school ministry, you know when you get saved and, and the, the weight just comes off of your shoulders? I just wanted to skip like a little girl over to the main building. And, uh, and uh, there's Alex Allen. You know, I, he's got the, the hair and the tattoos and everything, and I don't recognize him. And uh, he stops me and he says, are you, are you Romeo's kid? Like, are you, are you Uncle Romeo's kid? And I'm like, who is this guy talking to me? And of all the churches in all of the Kansas City metro area and all the world, uh, I landed at a church where uh, a guy who was like family to my family uh, was here waiting uh, was here waiting to mentor me and disciple me. I got paired with him. And I think of how, I feel like I squandered that year I got with you, uh, just being a little too proud to feel like, I, I felt like I had, had it all figured out in high school. I had been safe for like six months, but I felt like I was like ready to do stuff. Um, but I wasn't. And um, God, God used you, man. and Miles, and Pastor Brandon, and Alvi, and Seth, and I'm just so grateful. That's how God prepares us for big things. I feel so crippled. Just without strength and courage. And uh, God uses leaders, and he uses... He uses a place like this to make us ready for those big steps in life, you know? What would we be without it? See, we're accountable to just humbly submit to the leaders he's given us. First uh, Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you younger, you know, young people, Kaya, young adults, it's, it's in the name. Submit yourselves unto the elder. He's given you so many amazing, mature men and women of God in this ministry. Would you just humble yourselves and be subject one to another? Just find somebody who's got it figured out. Just follow them. 
and be clothed with humility or we'll miss it. We'll miss all that God has for us and all that God's making us because God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. That's the, that's the key quality we need. We just need to be humble. At MBT, this preparatory process, what I'm really talking about is uh, we have a philosophy of ministry of discipleship. You know, we understand it's our responsibility, like Pastor Sam was saying, to get God's word, to steward it and to give it to the next generation. And at this church, it looks like taking cost of discipleship, figuring out what it looks like to walk with Christ and then submitting to it. And once you do that, you'll be paired with someone like Alex who will mentor you in the faith. And there's all kinds of opportunities, joining a Bible study, serving in ministry, to just be part of stewarding what God has given us and being mentored all throughout that. Then we have foundations and LFBI to get us equipped in God's word to go and do the same. Man, we're, we're, we're so rich in, in having that. Um, and so I just ask you if you might be wondering, well, what's my next step? What's God calling me to? What do I need to do next? Well, just find yourself on this list. And our pastors have made it so clear and easy to find uh, where we need to be, um, to be right at the center of where God has us at this church. Uh, Don't look at me for a second. Go go and hit the key point. I'm going to blow my nose. Write down the key point. Don't look at me. I think I'm always like this. I don't know. Uh, Key point number one says, every step of our walk with Christ challenges us to trust God's word with humble faith. And that's all we're asking you to do. That's all God is asking you to do is to just take that next step that God is calling you to from his word and just trust him for it. Um, Let's just humble ourselves and and, and do the next right thing. Um, Joshua was ready for exactly what God had for him. Um, and it just looks like submitting to the leaders you have and, and, and trusting uh, God's word to be sufficient to prepare us through that mentorship. That's discipleship. And I'm so thankful to be at a church that takes that seriously. The next key to having courage, the next key to finding that strength and courage to answer the call is God's precise promises. God is precise in his promises to us. And let's look at verse three. Verse three says, Uh, again, the Lord talking to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Or uh, from the river to the sea is kind of (laughs) another way to put that. Okay, I hope, I hope some of you aren't paying too much attention to the news to get that, but, I mean, God gave it to him, and he's pretty precise in that. Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, the main point I want you to see in the text itself is that uh, God made an incredible promise here to Joshua. He promised that uh, everywhere they would set their foot was victorious ground. There was territory to be taken, and wherever they would just faithfully step out to take it, they'd win it. And that's a major and a broad promise in verse 3. But in verse 4, he gives specific boundaries, right? So in verse 3, you have that word every, right? And then it refines down in verse 4, from the wilderness to this river Euphrates, unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun. He creates specific boundaries. And as we look at those specific words, it gave Joshua the territory that was promised to him. He wasn't to take an inch more, and he wasn't to settle for an inch less, 
And we find ourselves in the exact same place as we come to God's word because he gives us precise promises. If we study his word and take the words as the key to the Bible, we find that he has promised us specific things and we claim those things in prayer. Um, God fulfilled these promises to Joshua and the nation of Israel and he did it specifically and without fail. Joshua 21, 43 through 45, and the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein, and the Lord gave them rest round about. When you've got promises, you've got rest. According to all that he sware unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. When you've got promises, you've got victory. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass, and that's true to you. Everything that God has promised you, he will do. This was Joshua's testimony at the end of his life. And wouldn't you like to get to 60, 70, 80, and be able to say this to your grandkids? Joshua twenty three fourteen. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed you. Of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you, all came to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Now, just like God was faithful to his promises to Joshua, in the New Testament, we find that the exact same arrangement is available to us as New Testament believers in Christ. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Here's the strength and the courage that we need. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. God promises to answer. That's a broad promise. But it's when we ask according to his will. And that's where it gets specific. And God narrows the focus of his promise by us just paying attention and studying word for word what he means. We know how to ask according to his will. Because we know his word. John 15, 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye will ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. We can't just ask for whatever we want. I mean, I grew up Jewish and so I got a bit of a foundation in scriptures and my rabbi used to say, God's not your ATM machine. I mean, you just don't go to God when you want what you want to get what you want to get. It's if we abide in Christ and we have a strong relationship with him in his word that we know what promises to take and then we go to God in prayer, claiming them. Key point number two, we can confidently take the next step when we are humbly dependent on the promises of God. That's what we rest on. That's where we find victory. That's the confidence we have in him. That's our strength and that's our courage is that God is faithful to his word. That's how it's been for the church since the beginning. In Acts chapter one, uh, Jesus promises the church. He says to Peter and all the apostles, he says, power's coming. You're gonna go through all throughout the world from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost being witnesses for me, but that power is gonna come. And so what do they do? They go up into the upper room. They go up into the locker room and they pray and they trust God for that promise. And then Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes and people start getting saved and the ball starts rolling. And that is how it's always been for the church. And then the persecution comes and times get tough and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the councils come in after them. Where do they go? They go back into the room and pray for boldness and God gives it to them. When we trust God's word and pray it back to him, he'll give us everything we need to take the next step. We just need to find a promise to cling to. 
When you find that you've got something in your life that's giving you trouble, something that's making you nervous, something that, you know, God's calling you to something and you don't know what to do, just find a promise. Just find someone and somewhere in God's word that you can just cling to and trust God's faithfulness, not your own ability, but God's grace. And then we'll have courage. And then we can do and be all that's God, that God's called us to be. The next key for our courage is God's powerful presence. It's that God's with us. In verse 5, uh, God continues. He says, There shall not be any, any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, you know, Moses was him. God was him. <laughs> it, was, it, it was God all along. I mean, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And then down in verse 9, he says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I mean, that's our temptation when we're about to take a next step, is to get discouraged, right? We, we find ourselves shaking in our boots, not ready to take that next step because we're uncertain. We don't know if we're good enough. We don't know what it looks like when we take that next step, when we cross that river. I mean, what does ministry even look like when, when this happens or when I do that? I don't know what to say. I don't know what counsel to give. I don't know how I'm going to find the strength and the courage to, to own God's call on my life. And then we find ourselves there taking those steps and we screwed up. And we're tempted to be dismayed. Those kinds of things happen when we're just focused on ourselves. We lack an awareness that God is with us. And when we're following the Great Commission, when we're doing what God has called us to do, we have the promise that he's with us. And that should dispel any fear we have. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You know these verses well. I hope when you catch up to the sermon, you on the internet, that you're listening on podcasts and not watching on YouTube. Because that was, that was really gross. Okay. Um, so we have the promise of God's presence in the Great Commission. Um, did I forget to mute too? I'm sorry, Sam. You warned me. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And if all power is his, <laughs> there's nothing left for anybody else. Jesus is him, man. No one can stand before Jesus like that. He says, go ye therefore. That's why you go. That's why you take the next step. That's why you take new ground. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Um. That's why we don't have to be afraid when we share the gospel with our coworkers. Even though you know you're going to see them every day and as soon as you break the ice and they figure out who you are and what you're up to and you just don't want to cross that line and you're like, I'm just waiting for the open door. <laughs> um, afraid to even knock, man. Um, but man, Jesus is with you. You don't have to be afraid. What do we have to be afraid of? We don't have to be afraid of our families. And I mean, we could lose our families over following Christ. It'd be worth it. Because if, if father or mother forsakes me, the Lord will take me up. 
we're never all alone when we're just following God's will for our life because he's with us. We can go onto the campuses. We can go on mission trips to Boston, to Tampa. We can go on teams to Vietnam. We can go halfway across the world. And we can just know that God is with us. And it gives us the peace to have strength and courage in the midst of that calling. Paul was able to stay in Corinth because he knew God was with him. Acts 18, 9 through 11 says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. There's a lot of lost people. We're called to all nations. It's whosoever believes. Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's the territory that we are being called to take. And we can take it boldly in any key city with the key tools that God has given us. And you can be that key man if God is calling you because God's with you. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. He's able to hold his ground because he knows that God is standing right there with him. Key point number three. The next step is not to be feared when we know God has gone before us, is going with us, and will not forsake us. It's really not that scary. As you're looking at the the path God has laid in front of you, I mean, he's already there preparing. And as you're preparing here, and as you're getting trained and equipped in God's word, I mean, he's with you now. So you need to cultivate that close relationship with him where in prayer throughout the day, all the time, you just turn to him and speak to him as a friend. That's the kind of relationship that was cultivated in Joshua because he watched it in Moses' life, the friend of God who spoke with God face to face. And Joshua was the kind of guy who tarried in the tabernacle. Joshua was the kind of guy who went up the mountain with Moses Joshua was the guy who was ready to answer God's call because he was aware of God's powerful presence in his life. We get discouraged and dismayed when we forget it. The last thing, and and as we're tying a bow on it and, and, and we've acknowledged God's preparatory process, we submit to our local church and just keep moving forward in faith and as we obtain his precise promises, And as we recognize his powerful presence in our lives, the fourth thing we need for our courage is his prosperous precepts. His precepts that prosper. (laughs) Verse six says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. You know, it was pointed out to be by Miles And then I heard it, I think I heard Eric preach it. And I don't know where he heard it before that, but this is success. You know, this is it. If we want to be victorious and live a successful life and not fail, this is it right here. This is what success looked like for Joshua. It's what it looks like for us today. It's just that God's precepts prosper. 
God's word does what it says it's going to do. God says what he means and means what he says. And we just have to have the courage and conviction to obey it and follow it. Be strong and of a good courage. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Hasn't God commanded us? Be strong and of a good courage. God's calling us to follow his word. And if we'll just obey him, he'll get it done. The word of God will do the work. See, because God's word is always effective. It doesn't fail every once in a while. There's no 1% chance of God's word not coming through. There's no more surefire bet than that God is faithful to his word and his loyalty to his word should make us so loyal to him that we'll go into the battle because even if we lose, even if the battle's a lost cause, God's word will still get the last laugh. God's word is always effective, always. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. That's where we get, that's where we lose our confidence is we get in here and we stop thinking about what God has said. We start thinking about our insecurities. We start thinking about our circumstances. We get our eyes off the storm and forget. Jesus just said, walk out on the water. Just go. Be strong and courageous. Get your eyes off the storm. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He doesn't think like we do. Neither are your ways my ways. He doesn't roll like we roll. Saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, you have never watched it rain backwards. You have never watched it snow backwards, right? But watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That's that's what's nice about checks. You know checkbooks? We don't balance checkbooks anymore. Um, Checkbooks are a very secure and uh, good way to facilitate financial transactions. I work in fintech, So I I think about this a little bit. Um, Checks are written out to somebody for a certain amount and they cash it. You can't like falsify the check. You can't claim it if you're not that person. You can't get any more or any less than the amount that's on the check. And that's faith's checkbook is that God's word has promised us specific things. And then we go in prayer and we cash the check. I mean, God's a little like an ATM, but we don't make our own checks. (laughs) He doesn't hand you a blank check. You just, it says what it says. He's promised us what he's promised us. And he's called us to what he's called us to. And we just trust that when we go to cash it, we don't have to wait till Friday. (laughs) The funds are in the account. We're ready to go. God's word is always effective. He doesn't give us any checks that are going to bounce. And you know what? Because God's word is effective, we're only effective when we abide in it. We're only as effective as our relationship in the word is. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not. Okay, listen. I, um, I went to the doctor, and uh, I haven't gone in years. Like, since I was, like, a teenager, and I went to, you know, get a physical, do all the things you're supposed to do as an adult. Okay, so men in the room, go do it. Um, <laughs> I just, you got to go check. And um, they screen you on the paper, and they ask you, like, do you have any health history? Is anything going on with you? And um, I saw the box for emotional issues. <laughs> and I, 
saw the box for depression and anxiety. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's in my history. Yeah, that's me. And I check the box and I get in the room and, and the nurse is talking to me. And I look and right there, like right next to the gown and that little sheet they put over the, the little bed or whatever is just a little like a checklist with like a little Sharpie or whatever, like a dry erase marker. And it's this survey that says, do you have trouble getting up in the morning? Do you ever just feel like a failure? How often? How are you, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? And the nurse is talking to me all delicately, like, like I'm just, like, she'll just touch me and I'll just pop. <laughs> like, and just, and I'm sitting there like, man, I just, I'm the kid, I'm the, I'm the theater kid that, <sighs> I was the depressed, anxious theater kid on the pills and on the therapy, just trying to make it through another day. That's who I was when I got saved. And sometimes I wonder how I got away from being that kid who sometimes when it's just tough, just find a, a lonely corner in the theater and just think about Psalm 23 or just claim the promise of Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and just have peace. I mean, my wife will tell you, I'm not a confident person. And I'm not a like super like, I'm not like an anchor. She's the anchor of our family. I'm like, if she, if she is not grounded and settled, we're just going to be all over the place. Nothing's going to get done. And I'm not going to make it through the day. But um, I just want what God's promising us in this passage. I want to be strong and courageous. I want to have rest. I want to be victorious. I want to be effective in what God's called me to Blessed, happy. I want to be blessed and happy. I don't want to be who I am in the flesh. We'll be blessed if we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. That's what, that's what Satan's going to try to do. You're going to get a little far along in your walk. You're going to get a little bit of ministry responsibility. You're going to taste just a little bit of success. And then you just start listening to the counsel of the ungodly. You find yourself in the way of sinners. And then you just fall over in the seat of the scornful at the table with everyone who doubts and criticizes God's word. Everybody who stands in open rebellion of it. All the influencers who are just whispering in your ear about how to be happy and how to be successful. And we'll just eat up all that crap. And you'll just be miserable. We'll be miserable. And we won't fulfill what God has for us when we lose track of God's word and trusting in it and being obedient to it. But if we'll, verse two, but if we delight in the law of the Lord and if we'll meditate in it day and night, if our mind will just be molded into what he has for us in his precepts, this is what you'll look like, verse three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Because when you're in the center of God's will and plan for your life, and you're trusting his word and prayer, you'll be effective, because God's word's effective. And whatever the fruit of that obedience is going to be, God will accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish. I mean, I just, I'm just begging God sometimes that he'll convict my dad. And I, sometimes I just can't see how he'll reach my siblings. 
But man, if you'll just trust God's word to be effective, we can do it. We can be obedient to the Great Commission in our personal lives, at our workplace, on our campuses, with key point number four. The only true measure of a successful walk with Christ is obedient faith every step of the way. If you'll just, you might stumble a bit. You might sometimes be uncertain and waiting for that next step. But if your heart attitude is, man, I'm going to trust God, so help me by his grace. I'm going to take the next step that he has for me and that he's calling me to in his word and in his spirit and as his leaders are calling me to, that's a successful life. I want to be like Joshua and get to the end of it and just say, God, God accomplished everything he said he was going to do in my life. And I was faithful to it. I crossed that river. And I trusted him for the victory. Um, as we close, I just, I just want to ask you, do you want to be successful? Not in the worldly sense, like your side hustle is not going to prosper. Like that's not a promise. Financial success is not a promise. Listen, um, I mean, you may never get all that you want to get out of life. You might die nothing but a nothing. People might never remember who you were or what you stood for. The battles that you fought for the Lord, the wars you waged in your prayer closet, the souls that you agonized over, the people you invested in and walked away. No one might ever know about that. But do you want to walk successfully and get to the end where God just says, well done, my good and faithful servant? Then we just need to trust the process. We need to get submitted and equipped in God's word. And this church is ripe with opportunities for that. Get discipled. Plug in. We need to trust God for the specific promises that he's given us and walk in the power of his, his presence. And his precepts will prosper. It'll accomplish exactly what it will in our lives if we'll just trust him for it. If you would turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I love the book of Hebrews. Um, I relate to it. Sam, I saw you nod. <laughs> Sam Belfi, we both grew up Jewish, so we get like, we get this like special privilege. You read like Galatians, Hebrews, you're like, oh yeah, it's kind of like special for me. Uh, <laughs> and Hebrews is written to Hebrew believers in the first century who, I mean, think about it. For them to follow all that Christ has called them to and be all that Christ has called them to be as Christians, they have to lose everything. They have to lose their families, could just shun them forever. They could lose any chance at a career and work. They could be poor. They could be cast out of the city. They could be killed. They could be imprisoned. And Hebrews was written to encourage them, to give them the strength and courage to go take and claim all that they've been promised in Christ and to not fall away. Hebrews chapter 11, if you're looking for strength and courage, if you want to get pumped up, this is your workout playlist, man. This is, you just find energy here, all right? If you listen to Drake, you'll just end up depressed. <laughs> you'll get one hype song and then the next you're just slobbing all over. You're just, you're, anyway, this is it right here. This is where you get pumped up and juiced. Look at verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith, that's the key right there, through faith by obeying and trusting God's word and his promises, 
subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in, in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. When the exit ramp was given them to get out of God's will for their lives, they followed God unto the death, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. I mean, they were left waiting for Christ. They were left waiting for what we have and for the prospect of it. They perished and gave their lives. God having provided some better thing for us, I mean, we have more and better in Christ than they ever got. That they without us should not be made perfect. And as we look at that cloud of witnesses, as you look at all of your Old Testament, I just pray that we would be like Joshua and out of weakness be made strong, subdue territory for Christ's glory. I just pray that we would have the strength and courage that comes from just obeying God's word and trusting him in it. Um, So, Father, uh, God, I'm just praying for me and for everyone here that you would help us to be strong and courageous people. We're the most fearful and anxious generation that's ever walked this planet, I feel, sometimes. Because I, I know that might be true of me more than anyone else in the room. But, God, your word is precise and powerful, and it puts us right in your presence, right where we can stand with you and be confident in you. So God, help us to be ready to answer the call. Whatever it is that that we, that my brothers and sisters are faced with, whatever the big decision or the big trial or the big transition they're facing this year and in the next, God, that we would just humbly depend on your word, that we would submit to the process of just taking little steps that build our trust in you. And God, that it would make us ready to be all that you've called us to be and to do all that you've called us to in your mission. Lord, I want to trust you that out of the millennials and Zoomers in this room, God, that that you'll just make us into mighty missionaries for your glory. That we'll start with the going now and have good success so we can just carry that, the effective power of your word all over this world. And so, God, uh, we're just trusting for you, you for that. We're begging you for that. And we know that we have it according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.